0: You're never going to be able to completely capture sort of the vertically integrated nature of coffee and the involvement of every facet. It's it's very yeah. difficult. Um, as much as we'd love to be able to better showcase and are continually trying to better showcase the impact and the importance of producers um, at been, having the roaster on site having green coffee literally being delivered to the building on the pallet on a pallet and moved through and put into a yeah. roaster and watching yeah. that process and seeing it kind of transform as a product and then yeah. wind up on the bar and be served by yeah. um, by our team yeah. really sort of just started to communicate that message and showcase our position on on coffee and that is it's it's an ingredient like everything else and in order to get a great end product you have to yeah. Um, you know, be reverent to and conscious of all the factors that come before it, um, and that means starting with an exceptional, an exceptional ingredient at the very, very beginning that's been farmed and produced incredibly well. It means about it means being careful when you're kind of bringing it into the country and into the roastry. It means treating it with the respect and um, putting it through the necessary quality control processes as yeah. well.
1: so we are live uh, ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining us for another uh, episode of the Jiro podcast um it's great to have you here uh i'm joined by today by a good friend uh richard fraser uh who is um part of workshop coffee um today's podcast starts the start of a new series where we're going to be just exploring and delving into some of our partners that we work with here at Giro and you know why we work with them what makes them so special and uh, when we were putting together the list the list isn't very long but when we were putting together the list we workshop was very much firmly up there you know obviously we are a coffee shop therefore coffee is really important to us um, but beyond that you know we've been working with the workshop for a couple of years and uh, yeah we just thought it was really you know good to kind of maybe shed a bit of light as to why we work with workshop and who they are and what makes them so special so richard thank you for joining us
0: <laughs> thanks so much for having me it's always nice to chat jordan but really appreciate you inviting me onto this it's uh it's great having listened to a fair few episodes to be involved
1: oh hey well no i'm the uh the the pleasure's mine mate i'm looking forward to it um so i'll just get a bit of a, a background so you know as a you know jiro has been you know we opened our doors in in uh, 2013 so over seven years now and um by about two three years ago we made a sort of conscious decision to um you know really kind of delve a little bit deeper into our coffee offering and we've, we've been working with another provider who was great you know they were a local company and we still really really admire and um you know sort of just in, enjoy being around but as far as the offering that we wanted to do here at Giro, we just decided that we wanted to take it into a different uh, a different area and so we started speaking with different roasters and uh, we narrowed it down to to a couple. But I mean, for us, the the answer was always pretty clear. I mean, Richard, you and I have connected on a over a, a through cycling um, previously. And it was great to spend some time with um, uh, with James, who's the the founder. And for us, you know, spending time at that lunch and then obviously speaking with you, the decision was quite obvious, really. Um, you know, we really felt that there was a, a really exciting opportunity for us to partner on. And to be able to uh, offer our customer base not only very good coffee, but also a bit of a bit of an education and a bit of a route map into what makes coffee so special. Uh, why um, workshop? You know, goes the length it does to to uh, not only seek but also you know kind of uh, meticulously roast the coffee so that you know we're doing it justice here in the shop and. Um, yeah, it's been, from a mouse standpoint, it's been an amazing, you know, few years working together. Uh, there's always a lovely symbiosis between coffee and cycling. And I think that we've really, you know, between you and I, I think we've really championed that as much as we can. Um, but as I say, today, we just really wanted to take a moment to, you know, to delving a little bit deeper into why workshop exists what makes you tick um so your your role is head of brand head of marketing and um but i think it'd be good to maybe just you know understand and find out you know how workshop came to be and then uh how our paths got crossed so uh, richard over to you
0: yeah sure i mean it's it all started back in 2011 which unbelievably is sort of almost a decade ago now it's you know we're on the cusp of celebrating our 10th anniversary in 2021 which we're kind of in and amongst everything else preparing for and um, getting a few bits and pieces together on so that we can kind of lean into it really I think it's it's important to celebrate moments like that and and take a look back and take it use it as an opportunity to look look forward um, as well but Yeah, it all started back in 2011 in in Clerkenwell, basically. And James, he mentioned, um, James Dixon, our founder, wanted to bring together all facets of coffee. Uh, And by that, I mean, he wanted to bring together every element that makes exceptional coffee uh, exceptional and showcase those in one place to give people a better understanding of, of what that looks like and what actually makes a great end product. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it all started in the Clark and Well Cafe, which um, was our kind of initial site and our first place. And in there, you had an enormous kind of square coffee bar. Yeah. Where the baristas were sort of front and center and showcasing our, our drinks and our yeah. menu and what we had. You had full brunch service as well okay. um, and lunch, and it was a fully operational restaurant. And in the back, we had a roaster. Um, we had our production team and roastery team, and we had a roaster itself, roasting coffee, sort of seven days a week. And the idea of those things in one place was about showcasing the different steps involved and the different elements involved in what, it back in 2011 was kind of considered an end product in and of itself. People just had a cup of coffee and that was, to a large degree, it. You're never going to be able to completely capture sort of the vertically integrated nature of coffee and the involvement of every facet. It's it's very difficult. um, as much as we'd love to be able to better showcase, and are continually trying to better showcase the impact and the importance of producers mm. um, at yeah. gin. having the roaster on site, having green coffee literally being delivered to the building on the pallet on a pallet and moved through and put into a yeah. roaster, and watching yeah. that process and seeing it kind of transform as a product, and then yeah. wind up on the bar and be served by yeah. um, by our team. Yeah. Really, sort of just started to communicate that message and showcase our position on on coffee, and that is, it's it's an ingredient like everything else, and in order to get a great end product, you have to, yeah. um, you know, be reverent to and conscious of all the factors that come before it, um, and that means starting with an exceptional, an exceptional ingredient at the very very beginning that's been farmed and produced incredibly well. It means about it means being careful when you're kind of bringing it into the country and into the road street. It means treating it with the respect and um, putting it through the necessary quality control processes as yeah. well um, yeah. to ensure that everything's consistent. So yeah. that's where it all started. And that's how we started as a company. It was about kind of showcasing the best coffee possible that's yeah. what we've always been about yeah um and it was about sort of starting to introduce people to what is most definitely a rabbit hole
1: yeah. but
0: you know the different facets involved in bringing that that to fruition
1: yeah um yeah so can i ask i mean the, oh, I think, you know, obviously since one well, the last 10 years, we've seen a meteoric kind of like rise. And I want to come to this a bit later, but we've seen a real boom in in, in all things coffee and, and not only the culture, but the processes and, you know, the scene. And so, I mean, to the thought of having a cafe now that has a roaster in it and is doing a brunch service is a little bit more well known and not too foreign. Whereas 10 years ago uh, I I'm aware of examples in other countries, but not necessarily in the UK and certainly not as prevalent as it is now. So, so, I mean that, I mean, am I right in thinking that as, I mean, maybe I, I, I'm wrong, but am I right in thinking that for London, that was quite forward thinking and, and really what, what, what drove James and what examples was James leaning on to, to take this step?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It was a, um, it was an alien concept. I mean, if you think back 10 years ago into sort of the, the idea of brunch as a, as a concept yeah. and coffee as a concept was, was completely different to where yeah. we are now. We're, we've reached a very, I mean, the last eight months, notwithstanding, we've reached a really interesting point where a lot of us have the luxury of having an exceptional place on our, a great yeah. place on our own doorstep and in yeah. our own neighborhood that we do yeah. that. that sort of offering a lot of those elements. But back yes. then, I, I remember before I joined Workshop, going and traipsing across London and waiting an hour and a half to kind of, you know, get the table on a walk-in basis. It was, it, you know, it was kind of cues out the door territory. It,
1: yeah. It, yeah, I remember well, uh, yeah. To
0: think about back then. Um, but I think that James had sort of seen and been excited by both the U.S. and yeah. the and Australia, Australia, and that yeah, um, that sort that side of things. And whilst we've always aimed to do it in our own way yeah. and, and um, kind of take our own approach and carve our own path a little bit, there was some, there was definitely elements there that yeah. were what in the, what was being done on the sort of one location, sort of yeah. doing the all day service kind of stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: from Australia there was just the sort of American approach to specialty coffee as well you know the stump towns and the blue bottles and the intelligentsias back then
1: yes yeah. Um, yeah.
0: and even sort of at a more broadly European level you know you were starting to see sort of various roasters and various um, uh, coffee companies coming through and doing interesting things sort of in mm. in the Nordics and, mm. and have you and it was sort mm. of it was just a fusion of those those elements I think that sort of brought coffee the front of his mind, and he saw yeah. a real within that. And James, sort of beyond beyond coffee, is is picking to his wine, sort of very knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think seeing the the it's it's an often leaned on kind of comparison, but for good reason. You know, the comparisons between coffee and wine, and the complexity mm-hmm. and the impact of different varieties and different yeah. processes and approaches on taste and flavour. Yeah, that was an exciting prospect as well
1: certainly been a really exciting sort of part for us. I mean, because, you know, I mean, I, I, I've said this previously. I mean, uh, you know, before we opened the cafe, I mean, I had a very limited understanding of speciality coffee. I mean, I'd, I'd always seek out those particular bars in London um, and I had a very basic setup at home, um, but certainly not... Um, to the level that that we were trying to do in the co- in the coffee shop and that's where you know sort of our, our previous roaster uh, was was quite helpful in guiding us through and i remember uh, i mean this is what 8 years ago sitting down with them doing these f- blew my mind the difference between each one and for me that was that the sort of the, that genesis of like oh my goodness like this is this isn't just nice tasting coffee. This is that kind of the variety within them. And that was my first real understanding of understanding that it is essentially it is a fruit. That's what it starts out as. And so therefore there is that comparison with wine. And what's been so exciting in the first few years is, you know, people were coming in and, you know, not really looking at the board. And to be honest, a lot of still people do now and they'll order, uh, you know, like a a venti cappuccino or something like that. Um, And, and then when you give them the coffee, they turn around, and they go, gee, this is good coffee. And it, I mean, it is good coffee. But I think the biggest thing about it is it's, it is good coffee. But it, so many people have just got used to having subpar coffee because that's what they understand coffee to be. And then once you start to kind of get into that, you know, sl- the higher echelons. And, and as you say, where the research and the energy and effort has been from Crop all the way through that's where people because people aren't stupid their palates are alive and when they start to kind of sense that difference I mean we put a lot of focus on our pour over here as well so we'll often have three or four varieties for people to try and a few customers just love trying coming in and trying something different today oh I want to try this and it's really exciting you can get them on that journey and in turn look we need to get our staff you know trained up properly but for us that that was probably the I mean you know we're in Isha here we're opposite Acosta and I mean, look. I mean, I, I, I they are easy to, from a, a purist standpoint, they are easy to hate because they do manufacture coffee. But we are standing on their shoulders. There is no doubt about it. As a coffee shop, and understanding the the concept of 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 coffee culture and coff and cafe life, you know, they very much paved the way. And I remember going to that exact Costa when I was, you know, sort of sixteen, seventeen, and meeting up with friends all those yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's but they they do a mass-produced product, and when you start to get down into what we're trying to serve and why we partner with you, when there's this this real uh, integrity behind the, the 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 coffee bean itself and all the way through, that really does react on people's palates, and that's a really lovely lovely thing lovely thing to be a part of.
0: I think it's a, that's a really interesting point, or a couple of really interesting points that you've hit on though there, because. I think one of the elements that's really helped to form our us as a business, us as a brand, and our view our view of the world, I suppose, is the fact that we've not only been always been coffee roasters, and you know, create not creating, but sort of delivering an end product that we uh, work with you people like yourselves on, or Mm -hmm. sell through an online shop we also have coffee bars and that means that sort of we stand in front of people again usually every day um but and we're serving that product to them and we're seeing their feedback and i think i think as an industry and we've been guilty of this as much as anyone else at various points in time, we have not necessarily done the best job of being welcoming, open and inclusive insofar as, you know, we can be dismissive and could potentially sort of write off, you mentioned Costa, but any yeah. of those chain, rest, uh, chain cafes that are doing things at a larger scale and don't have the focus on quality um, that we do. But at the same time, as you say, they're providing a stepping stone and have provided a stepping stone, and yeah. we do, to a degree, stand on their shoulders. And fundamentally, you know, we can't force the information on on thing, the things yeah. that we're communicating and the things that we we consider very important final product. We can't force that information from our customers our thro- customers' throats, and nor should we. Yeah. Which means it fundamentally comes back to delivering
1: yeah.
0: a drink or a product yeah. so that can yeah. go. Wow, that's really yeah. good. That yeah. or that that is noticeably mm. different or better mm. than what I've had previously. Why? Mm. And yeah. that's that's oh, in many ways that's enough. Like that's that's our kind of that's our entry point. And yeah, yeah, back to the being running the coffee bars and, and having those locations. Some people absolutely want to talk about the different espressos that are on bar that day. Some yeah. people want to cycle through, as you say, the different pour over options that you have yeah. available. And that's amazing. And we yeah. love those conversations. and We're yeah. armed and ready to have them. Yeah. But at the same time, some people just want to come in and have a cappuccino every yeah. day yeah. at 11 a.m. And that's really cool too, because yeah. they've decided that that's where they want to get their cappuccino from. And they know because it's workshop, it's going to be delicious. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be nice, and yeah. that that's enough for them, and that's enough for us as well. So I think sort of having that forward-facing element just means that we we're just always conscious of meeting people where they are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's that's something that we we actually it sounds it sounds really you know sort of counter counterintuitive, but it's something that we really hammer across to our staff. Um, is that the reality is is the coffee and the food that we're serving is very much secondary to why they're coming here. Um, not for everybody, but for the vast majority, like 95 plus percent, it could be because they just need a bit of a, a break and they just want to have their just kind of moment of peace. Or it could be because they're meeting a friend or they're meeting a colleague or in the case of us, you know, on the weekend, they're meeting people to go riding with. So they're going to have a bit of coffee and, and some food before or maybe a beer and some food after. Um so our job is to make sure that that experience for them is as pleasant as possible. That goes from everything from the customer service standpoint through to what we're giving them. So as food, we, we, we are really you know, making efforts to try and give them a real experience on the plate, and the same as the coffee. And if, and if, if someone's just coming in to get a, I mean, at the moment, everything is takeaway. <laughs> if someone if somebody's just coming in to grab a takeaway to on the way to work or on the way back home or something, and they're able to taste it and go fuck me that's good <laughs> then then that's that's our job done well because we we want them to take notice of something that is actually a quite a mundane thing you know as in the mundane of meeting somebody over a cup of coffee that's you know they could do that anywhere and they possibly would but if we can encourage them to keep coming back because of this the thing because of the 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 fact that our coffee is we make real effort with the coffee and we partner with yourselves to make sure that we're giving them a real experience then i think that's that's our job done well
0: absolutely absolutely and i think you know we've all <laughs> it's when it comes to the the hospitality side of things when it comes to the customer facing facing side of things we, we've all we've all been out we've all had experiences where We've been somewhere critically acclaimed. It could have the best people, sort of doing the best food. But if you don't have that warmth, if you don't have that level of service, yeah, yeah, you, it's it's very difficult to excuse. Whereas yeah. you know, you, we've all been to those places where it's like the food's not perfect. And I'm not saying this is you or I and what we're trying to do, but the food's not perfect. Um, you know, the drinks were there was none. There was nothing kind of outstanding. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: from a drinks perspective, but it was just delivered and served um, in such a warm, hospitable environment where it just made you feel at home. Yeah, you're going absolutely. to go back to that place and you're not yeah. going to go back to the place that was kind of cold and unwelcoming, but uh, sort of was offering kind of exceptionally sourced mm. ingredients. So it's a balancing act in that respect mm. as well. It's I kind agree. of taking that philosophy on, on product and taking it all the way through to service so people kind of understand or at least get a taste of yeah. the... Um, uh, the quality in the bag yeah. that you're trying to trying to put out there
1: yeah yeah absolutely um okay so workshop so started in in uh in you know 2011 yeah. so uh, as far as that journey i mean obviously I, i'm keen to kind of understand um why and how you came in to to be involved and then I suppose it would just be good to understand, you know, because obviously there's lots of roasters in in the UK at the minute and, you know, some some really great ones, some not so great ones. Um, I mean, we, yeah, we do get samples and you just think, geez, what are you doing? But anyway, I I, I digress. Um, But it would be good to understand, you know, as far as workshop goes, what really you know what is your what is your you know what's your vision why do you exist why do you exist against others and not so much what sets you apart because you know everyone has their own own merits but i suppose like what is as, as a company as a business what is your driving force
0: yeah and in many ways we kind of wear that on our sleeve we talk about serving the best coffee possible yeah and that sounds quite woolly in some respects but when you break it down like it, it it is a conscious decision that yeah. we have constructed we have we do talk about the best coffee possible because what that links back to and what that alludes to is our kind of approach to buying and roasting yeah and that is there is an ongoing cycle of quality sure it's so not that, an end point it's a process
1: so break that down a bit so let's talk through a little bit about your buying process so for somebody who's new to coffee um from from your standpoint so okay so i mean as far as chain goes we um, we serve workshop coffee here in the cafe. So we we put the roasted coffee in a grinder, stick it through our machine, and then the customer gets a coffee. But that point up until it arrives here at JIRA maybe just talk through from workshop standpoint what the process is and the levels that you go to. And that was one of the things that impressed me the most um, was un- when, when we sat down for, for lunch that day. It was just to really understand the depth that you go to. So uh, maybe just explain that a little bit.
0: Sure. I it, it starts at origin. It starts at that point that you made um, earlier, which is coffee is a fruit. Yeah. So coffee is going to be in season at different times of the year um, in different places. Yeah. So we spend several months of each year. This year's been a bit of a funny one, sorry to Of
1: course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: we've not been able to sort of go to Origin as much as we would have um, in previous years. Yeah. But we spend several months of each each year going to Origin to visit the farmers, to visit the producers, to visit the regions where people are doing exceptional things and doing fantastic yeah. things when it comes to farming and producing and harvesting. There are lots of different, in even at that level, that, well, especially at that level, you've kind of got a bunch of things at play through, you know, beyond the obvious as to sort of the altitude that they're growing at and the mm-hmm. varieties of coffee that they're using.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've got, um, you know, their harvesting pro- um, methods and what they're doing there and how their their pickers are kind of going through, going through those coffees. You've got the processing methods involved as well in how they're processing. All of those are going to impact the final taste and flavor in the cup Mm. Um, so we 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 go there um, as much as anything else to obviously find great coffee, but also to establish sort of ongoing relationships with the farmers and producers out there, because we believe that in reinvesting and paying a fair price and then re- allowing the farmers and producers to reinvest in their farms and in their products, we're not just going to get as good a product next year. We're going to hopefully see a better and improving product.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Um, I mean that. This is something that I find really fascinating because, I mean, first of all, like just the 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 fact that you go to that you know you literally you 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 have intimate knowledge of the people that grow the coffee. Uh, that you serve, I just think amazing. And I love the fact that there's images that go with because you've been there, you've seen it, and you obviously, there's all the, you know, you know side to make sure that it's good working dishes, all of those things, but the, it, it, for, there's, a, there's a quest beyond that, which I really, really appreciate. But I mean, so for example, if I was to go into my local supermarket and you go down the, the tea and coffee aisle, I mean, there are dozens, if not hundreds of different coffees available, some instant, some beans, some ground, it just goes to show the scale of coffee as a as a, 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 a as a produce as a as, as a commodity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How is it that? You as a uh, you know, what's essentially you know, in the in the scale of things, you know, like a, a a smaller roaster in London. How is it that you're able to find these amazing places where they where the farmers are really taking real pride and maybe trying out new methods of of of, of growing these you know the, the this fruit, growing this produce, um, like what what sets you aside? I mean, this sounds like a very simple question, but what sets you aside from the mass-produced you know, nonsense that we get given um, or that the, you know, sort of the, the, the society can be shown as, you know, um, across a, uh, you know, in a super example.
0: I think that there's yeah, a simple question with complicated answers, I suppose, because there are a number of factors at play. I think our size is, is one element to it. You know, we don't have to be um, committing to large volumes in the same way that larger, larger roasters would have to and larger okay. Companies have to, yeah. so we have the luxury of, of you know, purchasing smaller lots uh, yeah. in that respect. Um, we also make the decision not to blend. Um, we yes. want to showcase yeah. single-origin coffees that are indicative of the place that they were grown and, in most cases, um, the personal people that grew them. Um, yeah. So you're kind of really getting a taste for, for that area, yeah, um, blending them together to create something that whilst consistent isn't necessarily showcasing the terwa, you know, the place that it was growing.
1: So, so for people who don't understand, um, we obviously one of the reasons why we work with Workshop is that every coffee that we serve, whether it be espresso, or decaf, or 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 our pour over, all single origin. So what that means is there's only one type of coffee uh, being in there, one and some, from one single origin. Hence, single origin. What what many roasters do is they'll often have single origins, but the I'd say the majority, especially with espresso, uh, will do a blend. So that could be a blend of uh, from different origins to create a certain flavour um, or it could even be a, a blend of different t- coffee types so the difference between Ar- Arabica and Robusta um, which is probably the majority of coffee that people are used to having probably has a bit of Robusta which is where you get that kick but it's incredibly bitter as well um, and you get it's a slightly higher in caffeine um, but it, yeah tastes like dirt which is why a lot which is why a lot of people on the continent will always put a bit of sugar in their coffee because it you know makes an, an enjoyable uh, uh cup to drink um so what's the difference between the two I'm doing that justice Richard. yeah
0: i'd say i i think <laughs> uh, like so many things from from the word gastropub through to specialty artisan right yeah, like yeah single origin it's because because it's not very clearly defined you know single origin could mean that it's it's from a country, it's all from Brazil.
1: Sure, it's, okay, yeah, it's pretty, it's all,
0: It could all, you know, when us, when we talk about single origin, it, it's, as you rightly say, it's about transparency and it's about tracing it as far back as we possibly can. And, yeah. you know, that is most definitely country, region, sort of, and then sort of beyond that farm. Yeah, uh, Producers and, increasingly um, in a lot of origins, we're able to actually identify, you know, the lot or even the parts or plots that it came from on the farm on those larger operations. So, you know, that just allows that's that exercise is an extra level of control and it's a kind of a almost a quality control measure in, in many ways because you know exactly kind of where it's coming from um well, so i, love the, I is, love the
1: fact that some of some of the coffees that we get from you have the names that they're called they're named after the farmers yeah which I just which i love which is just so cool and the fact that you've met these people as well is just amazing
0: it's it's so great and I, I, full disclosure i've never been to origin um, no, i've never okay. been to any of the producing countries that Kind of responsibility, and I don't want to say burden, but sort of responsibility for sure. You know, it falls to our head of quality, who's also called James. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, he 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 will be going on the on these buying trips several times a year, and he'll be going to farmers, producers, cupping um, cupping locations as well, and cupping labs to try a lot of coffees. You know, yeah. he's out there um on these trips and he's going through hundreds of cups of coffee and going through a cupping process which is effectively tasting them all side by side mm. he's he's making notes he's kind of remembering what cup number three on day two tasted like versus yeah. you know cup number 533 on day seven yeah and you know weighing all of those factors up and
1: and that that's not same. an exaggeration either i mean that's no it's, no it's, 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 he's remarkable
0: and he's also um factoring in that you know it's about potential at that point mm. the, the, the green coffee is the green coffee and that that's there and it's available to buy but we've not roasted it we've not been involved in that process it's a kind of it's it's been done by uh, by whomever and um he's got to be able to sort of look past that layer as it were and sort mm. of see the traits either underneath and look at the things that we've seen at farm level or that we're seeing in the notes when it comes to the processes and the harvesting that mean, you know, everything from final taste in the cup, how it's going to age as well, um, kind of ensuring all the consistency and and quality elements uh, boxes are, if not tipped, then at least being kind of looking good and looking positive and promising because, yeah, (laughs) From origin, even to before it gets back to us, you're still looking at twelve weeks on the water on a boat uh, in a. Yeah, of course. Frigate, uh, I'm sorry, not forget freight. <laughs> um, as before, it even lands with us, and then we've kind of got to rest it out, or mm. sort of, um, depending on where we are in the life cycle, make a call on it, and then we roast it, and then yeah. it sort of eventually makes it out to to our customers and our partners as well. But um, that those elements are definitely. Definitely a huge factor in in sort of what helps make us unique, and some of those are quite um, qualitative in some respects, aren't they? They're not they're not hard and fast rules. They're not sort of these are the black and white. This is the black and white tick list that we work through in order to do what we do. You know, the palettes and the experience within the palettes of the people that are within the business play a massive part in informing the coffees that we choose the way that we roast them and how they end up sort of tasting yeah. when they arrive with our customers yeah. um but so to do relationships as as with any kind of any business and any mm. any brands you know the relationships that we have with with the producers and farmers with um sort of third-party importers and exporters as well you know we spent um, a decade building and developing yeah. so that kind of everybody knows what we're trying to achieve and what our approach is and we have a continually better idea of what we're looking for as, as we yeah, get yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah. And that's where this ongoing cycle of quality comes into play for us. You know, it's it's one big forever feedback process. Yeah. It's and uh, kind of as I was saying before, we've got our partners, we've got ourselves, but we've also got our coffee bars serving our coffee and that informs the final part of the process and then we go back to the beginning we go back to origin and start start the whole thing again
1: yeah I mean that's one of the things that I suppose you know we've really enjoyed and and I think was probably one of the reasons that we you know wanted to work with you is that you know you were be you know offering full training for all our baristas to come up to the roastery to understand one how you do it and then, you know, obviously, to make sure we're not screwing it up, <laughs> because if you're going to all that energy and and, and effort to make sure that you are uh, honouring these, you know, farmers, and you know, making sure that you are doing right by them to roast the best possible coffee, if you had to pass it down the line, and it's just served <laughs> this slop. It's it's uh, it's not a nice not a nice outcome. And, and I mean, we 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 try our best to make sure that it's it's you know we're doing our, our bit. And thankfully, the feedback from customers is is usually pretty good.
0: Oh, it's been I mean from you guys and um, you know I, I come out to zero whenever I possibly can, and mm. it's always it's always great, and you guys give such care and attention to the products and and it kind of a hundred percent shows. Um, but we try and keep the onus on us as much as possible as well. sure um, on that front, you know, because whether it's yourselves, another wholesale partner or a customer at home, last thing we want to be doing is kind of offering a finickety product uh, every time you get a different bag or a different batch you're sort of mm. playing around with your grinder or mm. your brew mm. recipe or things like that we try and keep as much as we possibly can consistent and keep the variables to an actual absolute, absolute minimum yeah. you know um, when it comes to grinding when it comes to the recipe that people are brewing to mm. so that the the, there's less less to worry about there are less variables um as an end product because that's something we're very conscious of we're not we're not creating a um or we're not offering a fully fledged product that you just kind of unwrap it's it's not a chocolate bar it's Mm. not a bottle of wine or a bottle Mm. of cider or anything like that it's it's there's still sort of work to be done to kind of get what's out
1: what's what's
0: there out of it Um, yeah
1: yeah, mate. Well, I mean, we we. I mean, yeah. From our standpoint, we really appreciate and just enjoy that kind of being a part of that process with you, um, and just you know, kind of enjoying the enjoying the benefits. I mean, since obviously your inception in in twenty you know eleven, I mean, I would say the industry has just gone through. I mean, it's 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 from everything down from retail um, to to roasting to retail to even home brewing i think the last 10 years has just seen a cataclysmic sort of shift in people's understanding of it and i think a really good reference was always the london coffee show you know i remember going back in probably 2010 2011 Mm -hmm. and it was relatively small i mean certainly wasn't tiny but it was it was And yeah, I mean, even after we opened, it was like 2013, 2014, 2015, it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it became it was for trade initially. And then it was, you know, huge public days. And it's just unbelievable how much this kind of and probably similar to like craft beer, I guess, you know, there's this growth of of people pursuing something a little bit different. They want something more from their coffee. They want something, you know, they're not just gonna go to, they're not just gonna settle for a Costa. They're not just gonna settle for a a high street brand. They really want to go and find, and almost quite proudly say, oh, I go to this place, you know, they, you know, have this machine. I mean, obviously there's lots of money to be made in, in this in this industry I mean you guys were you know I'd, I'd say you know we're very early doors with it I mean how have from your standpoint how have you seen that that growth and how has your business adapted to that growth in just coffee as an industry on on all levels and competition as well
0: yeah I think broadly speaking a rising tide raises all ships and I think we have absolutely seen and to some extent benefited yeah from that in a way that a lot of other people that were kind of perhaps earlier to or more earlier to it or kind of more established. Yeah. Um, you know, the fundamental thing that is undoubtedly positive for the industry as a whole and for specialty coffee as a product is the growth in customers, the growth like existing and potential customer base. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've seen it in various different, iterations over the last, I'd probably say three or four years, especially um, in terms of the customers that, just the growth in customers, um, kind of looking into um, attending masterclasses and things like that and looking to find out more about the product and the process through Mm -hmm. to the types of people that have been coming to us as wholesale partners as well. You know, that historically, coffee may have been an afterthought. Uh, Or it was just, it's just the thing at the end of a meal, or it was, um, it just wasn't given the consideration that suddenly it's being given now. And whether that's hotels, whether that's, um, whether that's restaurants, whether it's um, sort of local cafes, those people kind of taken a look at their coffee offering and said, okay, this isn't meeting customer expectations anymore. The benchmark of what constitutes good and acceptable has gone up.
1: Yeah, 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 very true
0: that's that's great mm-hmm. um because it means people are drinking better coffee but it you know by drinking better coffee what that also means is people are drinking coffee that is better sourced and yeah. that means yeah. subsequently that in a lot of cases Producers and the people behind that coffee are being paid a fairer price and a yeah. better price for their yeah. their product, and yeah. that it's still not without its issues as a, as an industry as a product. You know, the the future of specialty coffee um, is not um, is not a guarantee. It's yeah, sure subject to all the various kind of changes in climate that are happening at the moment, and that's yeah, of course, kind of huge amounts of uh, research is being done. By the world, by World Coffee Research to to kind of uh, ensure its future and ensure that it can kind of continue to be the exceptional product that we love. Um, So yeah, that that I think has been the biggest shift that we've probably seen in the three to four last three to four years. And then I think you can't you can't ignore the last eight months either. Mm -hmm. Um, The amount of people brewing coffee at home is. Has oh. increased. I mean, not obviously. A big part of the increase has been by um, it, it, people's hands have been forced. They haven't had a choice. If they want to drink coffee, they can only drink it at the kitchen counter. But,
1: I mean, I'd, I'd like to say that this growth is purely on the the videos that we made. That's right, yeah. So as soon as <laughs> we did so. the videos, I think it's people just were just content. going crazy for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But I mean, the way that they're brewing that coffee is. It's definitely changed. I mean, there's literally a global shortage of um, entry level filter grinders right now.
1: Is that right? You How can't.
0: Well? You can't get them, and if you can, you can't hold on to them long enough. And
1: wow.
0: it's a short term problem. But for me, that's such an exciting thing to be saying because it means that more people are grinding wow. fresh coffee at home, and that's indicative yeah, yeah. of not necessarily the type of people that, but the approach that people are taking to yeah. their home coffee um, yeah. and routine and. I think it speaks volume for where where the industry is at, but also where it's going.
1: So, I mean, we I had a, I had a couple of friends, one in Spain and one actually just down the road who's a, who's a customer. And they were, you know, they were really struggling. They were on, you know, Spain in particular was on strict lockdown. And uh, uh, my, other, my other friend was obviously just gutted that the coffee shop wasn't open. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, what's your address? I'll send you some bits. And um, I just sent him a very simple like V60 with a, a filter and some coffee and a a hand grinder. And I just kind of gave him the instructions and his mind was blown. And it was like, no, it's actually very, very simple to make some great coffee at home. You don't need to have instant. You can have some really, really good coffee. And so now he's on that journey. So where he was a, probably a two flat white customer a day he's now a two flat white customer a day and then once a week he's getting a, a bag of coffee yeah. uh, which he wasn't before which is really exciting I mean we are seeing a huge amount and I know you you guys have seen as well like a lot of people ordering online for our, for our coffee or well, your coffee yeah. um, you know through our website or they come in and they grab it some people don't have a grinder, so they ask us to grind it for them which is not yeah. a problem at all um, but these are people who and un- before lockdown were not uh, used to having that type of coffee at home and it's so simple it's so so simple and there's so many different ways of doing it and there's no wrong way of doing it you are just you're excited that people are on that journey and learning and one of them actually paulo who you know um, shout out to Paolo. um but paulo uh he he just sent us some photos a couple of days ago and he's got this really nice espresso machine at home and he is he's buzzing he's excited to be on that journey of understanding extraction and timings and everything and he's in you know his milk needs a lot of work but look he'll get there uh, but i mean honestly he, he's just so excited to have some really really good espresso at home
0: yeah and i think this is it and i think being, it just swings back rounds. to I, I probably sound a bit like a broken record but it's for us about remaining open and, yeah. and accessible and that doesn't sort of mean shrugging your shoulders and say you do it do it however you want you know I, I think it's about helping people understand their preferences and learn more about what they like and yeah. more importantly in some ways what they don't like and what they're Absolutely. looking for mm. and giving people the tools and the opportunity to ask the questions that they need to get to that point yeah and you know I, we've always tried to do that and as much of the challenges lockdown etc has been it's also been an opportunity and it's been an opportunity for us to really kind of double down on, on that transparency or that yeah. openness, you know, setting up things like our um, homebrewing help desk, which is literally just an email line that, I mean, frankly, it just goes straight through to James Bailey, our head of, oh, He's amazing. On the internet, um, and you know, YouTube videos and just reminding people what we have available in terms of resources and all of those things. And like you say, it's about letting people start the journey and start the process and sort of learning a little bit more, but doing so on, on their own terms and, mm. You, we, we just really want to be as open and accessible as, as we possibly can, because it can, from the outset, be or seem a little bit opaque, a little bit nerdy or kind mm-hmm. of, you know, people love to use the word coffee snob and sort of you'll struggle to find an article on specialty coffee that doesn't use the word hipster in the first paragraph. <laughs> um, in And it's... <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have to be like that and it's not it's not like that at all it's just about kind of creating a, a really tasty tasty drink in the same and way you create a tasty appreci- dish or
1: it's appreciating like it i mean I, before i mean on, on another note i mean before lockdown i thought that i had a a good understanding of wine but me and a couple of friends we started this this wine club where <laughs> every week we would try we would sort of send a share a bottle around with each other and we would try it um and it's just been this great journey, and it's and, it, and yeah, I mean, you hear some of the things that we're saying on these calls. This is when we were in full lockdown and we couldn't meet, so we were doing it on 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 Zoom or whatever platform. And um, I mean, some of the things you just hear just coming out of your mouth—it just sounds so snobby and pretentious but it doesn't matter. It's, it's You're on that journey of like, this is really exciting and I'm, I'm I'm learning something new about something that has always been there. And so same with coffee. And if you can get people on that journey and that quest of wanting new stuff. And what I really like about Paolo and what he's doing is he tries coffees from different roasters because he wants to learn. He wants to understand the different complexities of it. He's also understanding how much he's getting through to uh, just dial it all in. I was like, well, yes. yeah, that, that, that's... Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but again, he's he's figuring it out and he's getting better and better. And, and um, it's just a, I mean, if you're on that quest to learn something, then I mean, I, I think that can only put the uh, the industry in a better place.
0: Yeah, 100 percent,
1: 100 percent. So obviously your business has um, uh, you've got the roastery. You do have a number of of retail bars. You have a number of coffee shops. Obviously, at the moment, they're all closed. Yeah. Um, I mean, how you. I didn't actually realize that you opened that the workshop started with a, with a retail bar. I didn't realize that I thought it was always a roaster. And then you went into the retail side of things. So, I mean, how important is that for your, for your business?
0: I think to date it's been very important. It's yeah. been, a, the coffee bars have been entities in and of themselves. You know, they are, they're businesses and they're, they're open serving hot drinks seven days a week. in in a lot of cases, Yeah. Um, but they're also kind of marketing assets um, mm. in, in many ways. And that sounds perhaps a little crass. But what I mean by that is they're windows into who we are and what we do. Absolutely. You come in and you, you are greeted by a workshop coffee trained um, barista who's sort of spent at least six months training with us and sort of getting to grips with everything. We are mm. serving the coffee in a way that we Want to serve it into our recipes, and into our specs, and showcasing it in in that regard. So customers, kind of just on walking in, just get a sense of who we are and what we're doing and what we're about. Yeah. And so you know, to date, that's that's been really important for us in introducing ourselves to new online customers, new mm-hmm. coffee bar customers, and mm-hmm. to a degree, our own wholesale customers as well. You know, I, I've no doubt that one of your work, first workshop coffees will have been in one of our our coffee bars and. It, it's definitely an element of kind of show me, don't tell me at play there, where we, you know, rather than sending around PowerPoint or sort of PDF and, uh, you know, an essay about who we are and what we do and what our approach is, we, we've got this place where we can say, well, let's sit down over a coffee and you can try our cup, what we've got on in the hopper at the moment. We can try a couple of um, filter options. We can see what's on batch brew as well and talk about, yeah. you know, we, we've kind of got everything there that we, yeah. we want to need. So they've, they've definitely been really useful um, in that regard as well. And, yeah. and also, as I say, part of the process, part of the refinement and the feedback process, we are there every day. So yeah. getting feedback, seeing what people love, seeing what they like, seeing what goes down well, seeing what the staff favorites are, seeing how the staff and the, the sort of team there uh, um, in each coffee bar are handling or... A new espresso, whether it's working for them as 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 intended. So it's again, when it comes to the QC process, it's it's another stream to our bow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things you know, for any customers listening, I mean, when these you know retail bars open up again, please go visit. But one of the things that I've always appreciated, and this is long before we we started working together, is just the attention to detail in your bars. Like, oh, it's just so aesthetically pleasing to be it to be in to be in no it really is like to be in there the, the one in particular i really enjoy is the uh, i forget the name of the street but just off um regent street
0: just on mortimer street yeah yeah
1: right. and like for, obviously you've got the Lamazoko with the workshop coffee it's just and everything about it the marble oh my goodness like it's just so happy and everything and all the gold details here and there and it just runs throughout it's such but you just know that that's also reflected in the coffee as in like it's that attention to detail where you're not kind of you know no corners have been cut it's just a really enjoyable experience and i think that as far as a coffee bar that should be what we should be offering all customers what any coffee shop should be it's just giving people that experience that just celebrates the coffee uh, Mm -hmm. from the moment you walk in
0: Oh, thank you i mean it's so nice to hear and, and obviously that's the aim um mm. but like with everything it start it starts from the product doesn't it i think you can you can try and reverse engineer that um that process and create a beautiful space and uh with all the sort of detailing and things like that but you know the product needs to stand up to that in many ways mm. it's kind of we set ourselves up to to ensure that we are kind of creating something that um, delivers on expectations, I suppose.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: And, and that, that for us is just always, always key.
1: Yeah, cool. So um, obviously we, we've obviously as a, as a shop and a roaster, we've been working together for two, three years. But, um, you know, before that, I know you and I like loosely had contact and I became aware of, of workshop through Fifth Floor. And so Fifth Floor is a, a London and New York based cycling um, sort of like club team. And you had a quite early partnership with them. Yeah, and I, I think that just goes to, you know, what you and I often speak about this just lovely symbiosis between cycling and coffee. Uh, obviously, I run a cycle cafe, you know, it's a it's a it's a coffee shop that celebrates and champions cycling. And uh, we play host to hundreds of cyclists, you know, mainly on the weekend um i mean from from workshop standpoint i mean obviously you, you, that was a very early partnership so i mean how it, was that a, a clear brand decision or was it just because you're a very keen cyclist yourself or you know or do you, is there like a you know a real connection there between riding and and and, the, and coffee as a as a culture
0: I think there absolutely is. And I think that was a kind of it wasn't necessarily a brand decision that makes it sound like it was way more strategic than it was. I think sure. it was um a gut feel that felt right because of the, the affiliation and the overlap that you that you mentioned. I think I think that there are obvious reasons why cycling and, and coffee overlap. And I think the 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 obvious reason is the kind of gear driven cyclist that has an appreciation for, for details, for specifications, for kind of, you know, tinkering with, with the build of their bike and the the setup of their bike and having different bikes for different, different circumstances. I think that definitely plays into the more kind of geeky territory uh, that we associate with coffee and all the gear and uh, the rabbit holes that you can fall down in, in both the sport and the, uh, the products of, of coffee, but I think I think more than that. I think it's the social element, or the increasing social element of of, um, of coffee and cycling as well.
1: Mm.
0: I think I've always, I remember when I first started, sort of looking at getting into specialty coffee and talking to to James and um, hoping to try and carve myself out a role at workshop. I always seen coffee as an exceptional end product in and of itself, it mm. has the ability to be. But it's also—I've always also seen it as an excuse. Um, yeah, it's an excuse to, as you mentioned before, meet up with yeah. someone. Like yeah, it's very a true. Coffee. Mm. It's an opportunity to grab, you know, ten minutes to yourself on a difficult day. It's the opportunity yeah. to take control of a portion of your day that is otherwise dictated by other people with scheduled yeah. meetings and things like that. It's. Yeah and I think that's where cycling can come into play and, and yes. does come into play as well. You know, it's, it's not necessarily the backdrop that a ride takes place on, but it helps you create kind of punctuation points within a ride and mm. end point and kind of give you something to literally head towards and a chance yeah. for everybody to sort of sit down in one place and recap and coffee is just a really nice, inclusive um, way of, a way of doing that. Yeah. And I yeah. think, I think as much as anything else that's kind of where the cycling and and coffee kind of came from because to be honest with you the fifth floor would just go back years ago now so like regent's park sort of seven eight years ago they do laps they'd come out of regent's park in the morning mm. then they'd um hang a right and they'd go down to wigmore street and they'd sit outside our coffee bar
1: yeah perfect
0: eight o'clock in the morning before work mm. and it just seems perfect you know it seems like exactly what we wanted to be showcasing and sort of part certainly part of what we were about you know becoming part of someone's daily routine and the fabric of their kind of weekly life and the fabric of their life in general really you know it's just
1: and it's cool because I mean obviously coincided with this boom in coffee we've also seen this I mean unbelievable boom in cycling Mm -hmm. and you know I mean leading up to very much so um but obviously post the the olympic games which is you know eight years ago now yeah um and that uh that simple i mean it's the reason why we started the cafe but that simple notion of you meet at a coffee shop either before or after your ride or sometimes both yeah um and it's that community it's that well let's meet and as say, if you can if you can give people that you know good experience of a good cup of coffee, then they'll keep coming back. Um, and it's and and also I just love the fact that you know th- you know thinking of you know using fifth floor as that example, um, just the fact that they they were going to be doing laps regardless, and that was a really important part of their team of their just you know their their personalities. You know that was a really core part of who they are, mm-hmm. and the fact that workshop simply just by opening its door just aligned with that part of their process their journey and then that formed into a partnership is just so great And it's the same thing here i mean we, all we do is open our door and people just align their existence and their their communities their passion just to essentially channel down towards you know jira and have a coffee or, or whatever before even though people at the moment people can't sit inside doesn't matter they're outside cold but they're still having their coffee and 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 off they go
0: yeah and but it's still providing that that moment or few moments to just sort of reflect and and mm. sort of, you know whether it's on the ride that you've just done or the ride that you're about to do I think mm. there's just something about that opportunity to calibrate or reflect on on what's just happened whether yes. it's whether it's your commute yeah. Or oh, whether it's your um, whether it's a kind of two day ride like we did, it's just mm. such a nice moment that means that everything just doesn't flash past.
1: Yeah, absolutely um, right.
0: And I think you know, back to you, you talk about um, you know Giro and the community that you've developed there quite frequently, and it, that's exactly what it is. It's not a customer base; it is a community.
1: Hundred percent, one hundred percent.
0: I think that that's I, the, the the cycling definitely plays a part in that, right? Because mm that's just literally away it's happening away from the cafe it's happening you the the cafe is is at most a platform for the rides to take place from right everybody's sort of turning up for the rides and that's kind of the glue that's bringing everyone or keeping everybody together and keeping them coming back in many ways and even um you know the fifth floor we've talked about being one example of, of coffee and cycling coming together but i think i might be wrong but certainly one of my first visits to giro if not the first was the cafe to cafe ride
1: oh yeah yeah that was great. the very first one which i think yeah. was within
0: the first year of opening that um, um,
1: was that yeah that would have been within the first year i reckon yeah, yeah I, I think i've still got my on.
0: giro look my no hands mug that yeah. i went back with um but you know it was it, that provided an excuse for me to kind of go out with a friend and go from kind of uh Farringdon Road or Clarkmile Road and look mum no hands and mm. ride out to Eastshire and yeah. experience Richmond Park for what might have been one of the first times ever for
1: me yeah wow well, how about right. it
0: and and discover you know you guys and what you're doing or mm. by doing and are doing and
1: and leafy Surrey, and sort of
0: see these, see that you're part of this bigger community. It's not just you and Amey that decided to do yeah. this. There are lots of people doing this yeah. kind of thing, yeah, like ab- ab- absolutely that that um, that base their weekends around that kind mm. of
1: stuff. Absolutely, and you know, it's been great to see uh, other, you know, sort of cycling-focused cafes pop up. Yeah. Um, most of which, thankfully, have lasted. Some, unfortunately, haven't. Yes. Um, and I say, unfortunately, because it's just it, we have to, we can't be competitive about this. We have to like champion that community and just people willing to kind of take a risk and open up their doors to celebrate and champion something that people really believe in. And, you know, for us, the vessel is cycling. I mean, we are a, a high street based coffee shop. So, you know, we, we don't want to be too cycle centric. We want all the locals to be to feel just as comfortable. Yeah. Um, and it took us probably a good six months to a year for us to get the word out that we weren't a bike shop. (laughs) People (laughs) thought that we were a bike shop. I said, no, we're not a bike shop, we're a coffee shop. And, you know, so thankfully our kind of midweeks have have very much picked up. Um, And, you know, now we're in, you know, this, well, since, as we know, you know, March, April, since the kind of the onslaught of COVID, um, you know, when we were able to reopen again, doing takeaways, even still, the the majority of our customer base weren't cyclists. Mm-hmm. They were they were just local local community, you know. Um, but that the cycling part of the business is incredibly uh, important. And you know you know even now we we're only takeaway only. We're still a stopping point for people, I and mean, we do need to constantly remind people that it's takeaway only and not to linger and to move on. But that's just part of it. You know, we're very fortunate to be doing what we're doing. We don't want really to be taking the piss and so we really try and make an effort with that at the moment but hopefully from next week we'll be able to get back to some level of quote-unquote normality yeah. um, whatever that is but uh yeah yeah cycling's a huge huge part of, of 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 what we do and i think coffee just celebrates it and and vice versa
0: yeah i think so and i can't ignore the um the sort of legal stimulant element of it can you either it definitely sort of helps mid-ride to have a physical kind of um, medicinal pick me
1: up definitely uh, definitely it's
0: also delicious and enjoyable
1: yeah definitely and it's nice it's nice to kind of i mean i remember when we first started we were, we tried like you know a few different things and we had these like healthy options people don't want healthy options they want a treat they want a reward they want a, they want, a
0: burrito
1: yeah they want a coffee and either a burrito or a big piece of cake like that's what <laughs> they want and they they feel that they've worked for it and so, you know, they good for them. And that's that I think it's just great that we can sort of celebrate that and, and champion that as much as we can. For sure, for sure. And then obviously last year we had our, you know, we did our flash packing, which which took some coffee brewing, you know, away from away from the norm and, and in the middle of nowhere, which was a really enjoyable weekend.
0: I loved it. I had so much fun. It's such a shame that we weren't able to do something similar this year. But um, well, no doubt the last last, uh, not the last time
1: yeah absolutely i mean but again it's just such a it was such a i mean ultimately four of us we got on our bikes we loaded up our bikes we went to stay went you know rode off off road went to stay overnight somewhere um but coffee was a big part of it and we 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 very simply set up a a, a like a, a, a gas burner jet boil boiled up some water and brewed some really really nice coffee in the well, I say the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're in the Surrey Hills. we you know, it's, it's definitely not the middle of nowhere, but it felt like the middle. It felt of nowhere. like it. It yeah, felt
0: yeah. like it, and that I, I, for me, you know, coffee can be complicated, but it needn't be. And I think Absolutely. that's a good. I think that's sort of why. That's only why I love doing that. But even as yeah. a workshop, that's why we often showcase those kinds of um, circumstances because it's all very well brewing amazing coffee when you're at your kitchen counter and you've got a sca- your scales on hand and you've got your electric grinder and, your uh, yeah. and you're working to your recipe but you can still have as delicious if not more delicious because of the context you know absolutely
1: and, and the in the views, middle of, the oh, it was great. of bag. it's just so exciting because we hadn't done it before and um, you know it's it's I've done I've certainly had a few brews out in the wild this year Um, with, you know, sort of one or two friends. And it's been, it's just been a really enjoyable thing. And it just adds to, you know, that that lovely kind of symbiosis that we spoke about earlier between coffee and cycling. It's just that a bit of a, it's a bit of a pick me up, but there's a bit of a process and you're in the middle of of this activity that you're really enjoying it. You're enjoying it with somebody else. So why not sort of like like pack a brew?
0: Yeah, exactly. Well,
1: you know, vaccines pending, Maybe we should, um you know, either next year or the year after, plan a. Uh, you say you haven't been to Origin yet. Let's plan a cycling trip to Origin.
0: I've already, I've already earmarked a few places in Peru that look exceptional for uh, for riding. But
1: or, or count count me in.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. I and it, it <laughs> it's been in the back of my mind for a little while. For a little while. So uh, as soon as something like that comes to comes to fruition and becomes a, a fully formed plan. I will let you know. Don't you worry.
1: Uh, well, it's certainly been in the forefront of my mind for a long <laughs> time. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, look, Richard, look, we'll leave it there. Um, I really appreciate your time. I, I really hope it's given our listeners a, a good uh, sort of understanding a little bit more as to kind of workshop. And I've, it's just been a very enjoyable conversation for me. So, so thank you.
0: No, thank you for for having me, and I hope it's uh, made some sense at some points in there. But uh, no, I really appreciate you you reaching out and asking me to
1: be on it. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, we'll put you know details about Workshop in the description below, um, and please go check them out. It's they're, from our standpoint, not only produce great coffee, but they're just good people, and it's a company that we really enjoy working with. Um, so go and support them as best you can. All their coffee is available through our website as well. Um, so yeah, so Richard, thank you, my friend, and uh, I hope to see you soon.
0: Thanks so much, Jordan. You're You're the best.